Hi, and welcome to the Church Unlimited podcast. Church Unlimited is a vibrant Bible-based church in North Lakes, Queensland that is passionate about helping people discover the genuine love of Jesus. If you're currently looking for a new home church, we'd love for you to join us for Sunday worship from 4pm at North Lakes State College on the corner of Discovery Drive and Joiner Circuit. We hope you enjoy this great message from our Sunday service and come for a visit someday soon. Hey Church Unlimited, so amazing to be here for my best friends, Pastor James and Pastor Paula Hensley. Um, I'm excited over the next two weeks, uh, Pastor James has asked me to speak into freedom and I'm just so pumped for you guys. I'm standing right now, you can't see it in front of me, but in a miracle of an incredible building for the first time in Church Unlimited's history, you guys have a permanent building. And uh, I'm just so excited. And it's because people of faith have actually said, you know what, I'm going to contribute to make a miracle happen. But you know what, it also, this kind of stuff doesn't happen by accident. It happens because you've got two leaders that literally have made a decision that they're going to be people of faith, that they're going to push forward, that they're going to take ground, that they're not just going to sit in a school, but we're going to take ground so that the whole nation knows about this great church, Church Unlimited. I'm so proud of all of you. And it's just so incredible to be here. And, you know, I actually felt God give me a picture uh, as I was praying for you the other day. And with COVID-19, there's a whole heap of graphs. And if you see them, they kind of chart and then they really, you know, they really peak. And and that was because something happened at that moment where it peaked out of control. God showed me that same graph and it represents the peak is the moment that you guys start to get in this new building, that you are going to step into unprecedented growth, that it's not just going to be how it's been going, but it's going to peak like it's never peaked before. I'm so excited uh, just for the future of Church Unlimited. And I want to do a message this morning that I call the pressure test. And, and, and you know, when we think of pressure tests, I, I don't kind of think of a positive thing. Like, like I'm not at home and I'm, and I'm thinking, hey God, I really, you know, just believing for a pressure test. God, if you could bring a whole heap of pressure against me to test me, you know, I don't pray those kind of prayers. But a pressure test is not a negative thing. It's actually a positive thing. You know, when uh, uh, they use pipes to extract oil from the ocean, they dig the pipes deep down in the ocean to extract that expensive commodity called oil. But before they do that, they'll get the pipes and they'll do a thing called a pressure test, where they literally ram mass amounts of pressure through the pipe. And what they do is they see if any weak spots appear, any cracks, any, uh, you know, any areas of weakness. But when those areas are revealed, they don't throw away or discard the pipes, but they actually send experts to the weak spots who then repair and strengthen so the pipes can be used for the purpose they were made to be used for. That's what a pressure test does. See, when pressure comes, it reveals weakness. It can reveal dysfunction. It reveals things that we couldn't see when there was no pressure, but the the pressure reveals those spots. But God allows those pressure tests to come to reveal weakness. And again, not to discard this vessel, but to send the expert in the Holy Spirit to repair, to heal, to mend, to strengthen, so that we also can be used for the purpose that God put us on the planet to be used for. You know, we live in such a pressurized time. 
I mean, even despite COVID-19, there's never been more anxiety, never been more depression, never been more suicide. And then, of course, with COVID-19, that causes all of that stuff to spike. You know, it was about four years ago, I preached in a great church in Auckland. And, you know, I'm known for kind of ministering freedom and breakthrough. And, and there was a young lady that was in the psychiatric ward. She had been there uh, or she had just tried to kill herself for the 10th time in the last 10 years of her life. She was about 23 years old. She had been diagnosed with every kind of mental illness you could imagine. And some good friends of her heard I was coming to the night meeting and they went and picked her up and got permission to bring her out just for the night meeting. I remember I opened the altar call for people that were believing for breakthrough and a couple hundred people came to the altar and for some reason, she just really stood out. I, I remember where she was standing and I remember I reached off the edge of the stage and I grabbed her hand and she was crying. The power of God was hitting her and I remember I began to prophesy. I knew nothing of her story, but I said, you know what? I feel like you haven't slept well for the last decade, but God wants you to know that what He's about to do is gonna cause you to have the greatest sleep that you've ever had in your entire life. And she's weeping, the power of God hit her. She went back to that psychiatric ward 100% healed of every single mental illness. So much so that the next day, they tried to diagnose her with something else because they said it's impossible to be who you were yesterday and then be totally normal today. You know, since she got out, uh, I think uh, four years ago, she directed a movie uh, over six months when she got out about a friend that had taken her life to raise awareness for suicide. She's since written a book. Uh, Peter Jackson, who made Lord of the Rings, has followed her for two years to bring out a movie that's coming out soon about her life. She's spoken to the UN to bring awareness to suicide. See, I want to tell you, no matter what pressure you might find yourself under, let me tell you, Jesus is always the answer. There is never a pit. There is never a place that you could find yourself that Jesus can't come and lift you out of it and use it for His glory. You know, one of the things that, that we did last April is we launched a course or our ministry and we call it A Freedom Experience. And down the bottom, there'll be a website, afreedomexperience.com. And really what it is, is it's a 21-day mind renewal, uh, God Encounter online course. And normally people pay $47 to get access for 30 days to be able to do the course. Uh, what we're doing during COVID-19 is we want to be a blessing and we've already given it to hundreds of people. If you use the coupon code BLESSED, then that completely waives the $47 and you'll get free access for 30 days to be able to do the course. We, we can't even count the people that have been free of anxiety, free of depression, free of addictions, have changed mindsets. So I'd love to invite you to check that out. But you know, there's a guy in the Bible called Elijah who had a pressure test. And Elijah, uh, if you haven't read the story, or maybe it's been a while, let me tell you, he starts off prophesying to an evil king called Ahab. He tells him it's not going to rain, you know, for many years to come. And Ahab's married to an even more evil queen called Jezebel. Ahab then goes because he hears the voice of God to go to this place called Kirith Ravine, where he is fed from drinking from a brook and birds bring food from the sky. He then hears the voice again. He says, go to Zarephath where a widow will provide and she provides oil and flour. And miraculously, it never runs dry. He then, while he's there, her son actually dies and Elijah grabs the boy and, and he prays a prayer and the breath of God brings the boy back to life. 
Then Elijah eventually reaches his pinnacle. The whole nation of Israel had turned away from God. And Elijah appears to these Baal prophets who were evil, who were ruling the world, the day. And he says to them, hey, you do a sacrifice, I'll do a sacrifice. And whoever's God answers by fire, that's the real God. And fire comes from heaven and consumes Elijah's sacrifice. The whole nation in that day turned back to God. They pick up swords and they slay the 450 Baal prophets. Amazing. Elijah brings revival to the whole nation. But then the next day, Jezebel, the evil witch, speaks one word to the mighty man of God. One word. She says, by tomorrow you'll be dead. And it sends him into a spin. It was a pressure test. It causes him to end up under a tree where he's suicidal. He says, God, I failed like all of my ancestors. Just kill me. I don't even want to live anymore. Eventually, angels come and they feed him because they say, you don't have enough in you to get you to where you need to go. And eventually he goes into a cave. See, a cave represents escapism. See, often one of the temptations when pressure comes, we look for caves where we can hide. Well, that's when God comes and the fire appears and God says, I'm not in the fire, the earthquake and the wind. And God says, I'm not in those. And then the still small voice of God brings Elijah out of his cave. There's a little bit more to the story that I'll explain at the end. But I want to just give you three quick things about a pressure test where for many of these, I believe Elijah missed it. Yes, he was an incredible man of God, but I, I do believe he missed it. And when you look at the start of his journey, the first point is this, and, and Pastor James preached a great message just about getting the Word in us last week, which was incredible. I was blessed by it. Uh, but the first point is this, it's God's voice or Word that sustains you. See, if you look at Elijah's life at the beginning, what you'll see at the very start is he hears the voice. God says, go to Kirith Ravine, a picture of intimacy with God, him hearing the voice. Then he goes to Kirith Ravine and what does he do? He drinks from the brook, the water, the river, a picture of the Holy Spirit. Then food comes from where? From the sky. Again, a picture of the Word of God coming from heaven and He's eating the Word that comes from heaven and He's drinking from the brook. And then God says, now go to Zarephath where a widow will provide for you. If I can sidetrack for a moment, let me just speak to someone that needs to hear this. Your provision is always where God's called you to go, not always where you are right now. See, so often as humans, what we want is, God, give me the provision and then I'll start the business. God, give me the provision and then I'll look for a house. But God says, no, I've called you to go. And when you go, the provision is waiting for where I've called you to be. But, but then he goes to Zarephath and again, he hears the voice. He follows a picture of intimacy. And now what happens? He's fed with what? Oil and flour, oil and bread. Again, a picture, oil, Holy Spirit, and the bread is the Word of God. And eventually this leads into this pinnacle where he slays 450 Baal prophets. But if you look at Elijah's life, the way it started is it's a picture of connectedness. It's a picture of being sustained by the oil and the, and, and the, the brook and the, the, the word that came from heaven and the flower, the word of God. And, and he was connected and being sustained by the word of God. I guess you could say he was living out of the overflow. You know, God's called us to live out of the overflow that's already in us. What do I mean by that? Well, what I mean is that maybe uh, a pressure comes and maybe your boss says you don't have a job anymore. And you're like, yes, that's a tough thing. And I could emphasize with that 
But when pressure comes, if you're like, well, yes, that's tough. But you know what? I already believe that He's my provider. I've already put the Word in me. And I don't know how He's going to do it, but I know He's my provider. Or when you go to the doctors and you get a bad diagnosis, it works so much better if the Word is already in you that yes, it's a bad diagnosis that I have to treat seriously. But you know what? The Word is already in me. I already know that He's my healer. I already know that He's greater than this diagnosis. And that's how God wants us to live. Let me just say, if you ever end up in a pressurized situation and you don't have the Word in you, then the answer is still to get the Word of God and put it in you. It just works so much better when it's already in you before you even need it. And so Elijah, I believe the thing he missed is at the start he was being sustained by the Word, but then something happened that's common to many of us where I believe he switched to something else and I'll show you. See, he gets to this moment and you can read the Scriptures in 1 Kings 19, 1-4. I'm not going to read. I'm just going to pick up uh, from a couple of places. But it's when, a, when Jezebel says, by this time tomorrow, you'll be dead. Have you ever had one message that kind of changed everything? Maybe it was a phone call from your boss, or maybe it was a diagnosis from the doctor, or maybe it was your ex-partner that sent a message saying, we're finished, we're done, or, or, or the news of the death of a loved one and... Elijah had one message, one email, one phone call, one text that changed everything. And she says, by this time tomorrow, you'll be dead. And he ends up under a tree, suicidal. And if you look in the Scripture, in verses 5 to 7, the angels come and they have to feed him on two occasions. And in my own words, they say something to the effect of, Elijah, you don't have enough in you to get you to where you need to be. In other words, Elijah, you've ran out of gas. You've ran out of fuel. What you were living on, what got you here has now ran out here. It was not anymore being sustained by the Word. And eventually he gets up to this cave. And if you look in 1 Kings 19, 11 to 13, it's the moment where he's in a cave and God says, I'm about to speak to you. But then God shows him three ways that he actually doesn't speak to him, which is kind of weird. Could you imagine if I sat down with Pastor James and I said, hey, James, I really need to speak to you. But before I speak to you, let me show you three ways of how I'm not going to speak to you. It's kind of unusual. So there's got to be a reason why God did this. And Elijah brings the fire and says, but I'm not in the fire. The earthquake, but I'm not in the earthquake. The wind, but I'm not in the wind. Then the still small voice of God is what causes him to come out of the cave with his cloak over his head. See, the reason why I did that is I, why God did that is I believe Elijah had moved from starting off being sustained by the Word. He started his ministry hungry for the river, hungry for the anointing, hungry for the Word that came from heaven, hungry to hear the voice of God. See, see there's a moment where, where, when, where, when uh, Jezebel speaks those words and it says he was afraid and then ended up under the tree. See, when you listen to the wrong voice, you'll end up in the wrong place. See, you can never, excuse me, end up in the right place when you're listening to the wrong voice. It was the first time we see Elijah listening to the wrong voice and allowing fear to direct his steps. Instead of in the beginning, he was sustained by that Word. He was hungry for that Word. But I believe the shift had come that Elijah thought that he could be sustained by what he did for God rather than being connected to God. 
See, why did God bring the fire and say, but I'm not in the fire? Because Elijah had stood on Mount Carmel on an incredible day and he had seen fire come from heaven at His Word. But God was communicating, Elijah, that might be what you're doing for me. But Elijah, that's not what sustains you. That's not what fills you up. The earth, sorry, the wind comes. Why did the wind come? And God says, I'm not in the wind. Because Elijah had stood with a lifeless dead boy and he called on the Father and he watched the breath of God bring that boy back to life. But God was communicating, Elijah, that might be what you do for me, but it doesn't sustain who you are. Elijah, remember the beginning. Remember when you were hungry for the brook. Remember when you were hungry for the oil. That's what sustained you. The earthquake came and God said, I'm not in it because Elijah had seen political systems and weather systems completely shake. But God was reminding him, Elijah, it's the still small voice of God. That's the thing that will keep you going. It's the thing that will sustain you. But I believe Elijah missed this moment. The second thing we see in this story, and it's a bit cliche, just a quick point, is that new levels equals new devils. You know, Elijah, he defeats 450 Baal prophets. They're taken out with the sword. Again, a picture of the Word of God. And so he takes out the 450 Baal prophets. You could think about those Baal prophets as individual demons. And Elijah and the people, they slay the 450 individual demons. You know what happened as soon as those individual demons were slain? The next thing that happened is the atmosphere started to change. And for the first time in many years, it began to rain. See, it's a picture of when in your life you fight some individual demons. The atmosphere will change for people that didn't even fight and they'll experience the rain that they didn't even fight for. Let me give you an example. Maybe you've struggled with anxiety, but you said, well, my mom, she also had anxiety and my grandmother and my auntie. But when you make a decision to say, you know what? I'm gonna be the chain breaker. I'm gonna be the one in my generation that says no more anxiety, that I'm gonna go after the spirit of fear. Let me tell you what happens. The atmosphere starts to change for your children. It starts to rain on some people that didn't even fight the battle, but you fought the battle so that the atmosphere could change for that. See, all throughout my family history, there is drug addiction. But let me tell you, there's two boys called Josiah and Caleb, 13 and 14, that are not gonna struggle with addiction because Jackie and I, we made a decision to fight some demons so the atmosphere would change. But see, where Elijah was blindsided, where many of us are, is this principle of new levels equals new devils. See, sometimes when we forcefully advance, sometimes when we step into new ground, we get a building, we, 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 we get a promotion, our marriage gets better. We expect the devil to kind of roll out the red carpet and say, congratulations. But the devil hates it when we advance. And when we really start to advance, we start to fight new levels of demonic beings. See, and this is what was happening to Elijah because he had faced the 450 individual demons but now Jezebel would speak. See, how is it that her words could have been so powerful that caused him to be suicidal? Because he wasn't just speaking to an individual demon. He was speaking to a principality and a power. She governed the whole atmosphere. The 450 bell prophets, they served her. They did whatever she wanted. And now he was about to hear 
from the principality and power and it had so much weight of oppression and depression and suicide that it sent him into a spin. See, I've got to just make a caveat for a moment because you need to understand and be aware of this principle, new levels equals new devils, but not focused on it. See, if you ever met those people where whenever you meet them, they tell you everything the devil's doing in their life. See, I'm aware of this because when I'm aware of it, I buckle down into point number one even more so. See, when I'm aware that when I take ground, you know what? I'm buckled in point one. I need to be sustained by the Word. I need to keep partaking of the oil. I need to keep hearing the voice. And so I need to be aware of this principle, but not focused. I'm aware, but I'm focused on the fact that Jesus has already died. And yes, I have an enemy, but He's a defeated foe. I'm focused on the fact that greater is He that lives on the inside of me than he that's in the world. And Elijah, I believe he failed to miss this. And then the last point, and this is a big one, but it's simply this, come out of the cave and get real with God. And I believe Elijah, he also missed this. See, what pressure does is it reveals cracks. See, when I go through a season of pressure, it reveals what was already there, but I just couldn't see it. And what happens here, if you think of me as a, a, a being that has illuminated light on the inside, and when pressure reveals a crack, which represents a dysfunction, maybe an addiction, a behavior, a weakness. And now because of pressure, and imagine with the crack, now there's illuminated light coming out of my dysfunction. And when I was in that easy season, I couldn't even see the crack, but now in the pressure, I can't not see the crack. And this is where the temptation comes to hide in caves, caves of escapism. See, a, a cave for you, it might be pornography or it might be too much alcohol or a substance or gossiping to a friend or way too much social media or Netflix or whatever. And, and of course, some caves are more destructive than others. But let's be real, a cave's a cave. It's a place where we hide so that we don't have to deal with the dysfunction in our life. You know, a great quote from a Navy SEAL, he says this, that when pressure comes, we don't rise to the occasion, but we sink to the level of our training. In other words, what pressure does is reveals where we already are. And Elijah, he ends up in the cave. And in 1 Kings 19, 12 to 13, it's where he hears the voice after the fire and the earthquake and the wind. And he hears the voice and the voice brings him out of the cave. Let me tell you, no matter how stuck you feel in an addiction, it'll always be the voice of the Father that will bring you out of that addiction. It'll always be the voice of hope, the voice of love, the voice of grace that will bring you out of that dark place. But there's this moment that I'd never seen. And if you want to read it, you can. It's in 1 Kings 19, 9 to 10, and then 13 and 14. And I'd never seen this before, but God asked Elijah a question, but He asked the same question twice. He says, Elijah, why are you here? And in my own words, Elijah says, well, I'm the only one that's zealous for you. They've killed everybody else. I'm the only one left. And then uh, the fire, the wind, the earthquake, the voice of God, then he comes out of the cave and God asks the same question again. Elijah, why are you here? In other words, why are you hiding in this cave? Why did you let fear cause you to abandon the journey? Why did you allow fear to cause you to abandon the mission? Why are you here? 
See, whenever you ask someone the same question twice, there's only three reasons that I can think of you might do that. One is, well, I didn't hear your answer correctly, so I'll ask the same question again. Uh, God doesn't have a, a problem with hearing. Uh, one might be, this is very common in marriage. I don't understand you because we speak totally different languages and I'm going to ask the same question again because I just didn't understand the answer. God doesn't have a problem with understanding. The only reason why God would ever ask the same question twice is because you gave the wrong answer. And he's actually giving you an opportunity. He was giving Elijah an opportunity to answer in a more correct way. And I really believe that Elijah, he kind of missed it in this moment. This was his moment to come out of the cave and get real. And I don't know what it was for Elijah because I don't know of his dysfunction. I mean, we see a moment where he's under a tree suicidal and he says something to the like of, uh, you know, I, I failed like all of my ancestors. Maybe Elijah always felt rejected. Maybe Elijah always felt like he'd failed. And when Elijah spoke those words, it confirmed everything he had believed since he was a little boy. And he could have come out of the cave and said, God, you know why I'm here? Because I always believed that I wasn't good enough and that I would fail and I didn't come from a good enough family. And when she spoke those words, it, it, it rung true. And God, I'm sorry, help me with this dysfunction in my life. But he missed this moment. You know, then there's a moment in... 1 Kings 19, 15 to 8, that I'd never seen this before, where Elijah, he didn't fully fulfill the will of God. Incredible man of God. Bible talks about him appearing in the New Testament. He, he'll go down in history of one of the greats. But he didn't 100% fulfill the will of God. Because after this moment, when he gives the same answer twice, God says, okay, fine. He says, go and anoint Elisha, who will take over from you. Go and anoint Hazel, who will become the king. And anoint Jehu, who will defeat Jezebel. And if you watch the story, Elijah, he goes and finds Elisha. He trains him up, but then eventually the chariot comes and Elijah goes up to heaven. You know, one of the cool things I heard my pastor say is the reason God did that was just to disprove Jezebel. See, Jezebel, Elijah is one of only two people in the whole Bible that never actually died. Jezebel said, hey, Elijah, you'll be dead by tomorrow. But God wanted to make a point. I'm sorry, Jezebel. He won't be dead tomorrow. He won't be dead next week. He won't be dead in a year. He won't be dead in a hundred years. Jezebel, he'll never be dead. God loves to go against the word the enemy has spoken. But he goes up to heaven and he never anointed Hazel or Jehu. God told him to. We see that. That was the will of God. It was actually Elisha that eventually took over and anointed Hazel and Jehu. And what I believe, and of course God's a God of grace. Elijah's still a legend. But I believe that because he didn't come out of the cave, because he didn't get real with God. See, eventually there comes a moment where if you won't deal with the stuff in your life that the pressure is bringing up, there'll only be a certain amount of time where God keeps trying to deal with whatever that thing is and the pressure brings it up that eventually if you won't deal with it, he'll find someone else to do the thing that you were put on the earth to do. And I believe that Elijah missed it because he just couldn't come out and simply get real with God. You know, I remember a moment, I'll finish with this story. But, uh, you know, last year for us, April to September was probably the greatest six or so months that I've had in my life. We launched our freedom course, you know, freedom experience and, and saw hundreds of people, like we never ever saw testimonies. We've never seen people get free like we did in that six month period. 
And then this great man of God was coming to our church called Mike Connell, same last name as mine. He's a 70 year old man from New Zealand and he moves in deliverance and freedom like hardly anyone else. I earn my living by preaching all around the world. And, and he came to our church for three Sundays, three weeks. And I felt God say, don't book any weekends. In other words, don't earn any money. Stay at your church, get around this guy as much as you can. I asked my church if I could be his driver. I'd bring him coffees and honour him and, and be there to pick him up and went to every single meeting. And I, like I said, I was living my best life. I was doing incredible. And then literally the first day I got around him, it was like being in this amazing season to all this stuff started to come up. Rejection, insecurities that I hadn't felt for many, many, many years. And the more I got around him, the more it started to bubble. I was talking to him about things that I was embarrassed about, like I was a, a high school kid. Eventually it reached this pinnacle where after about two weeks, he does our staff retreat, about a hundred people. I know this stuff's been bubbling now for two weeks. He does the altar call where he's about to pray for us and I run to the front and literally I start crying, but not just crying, you know, ugly crying. I'm talking snot, tears, I embarrass myself. I think there's probably people in our staff that are still in counseling today just because they watched me cry. And after about 20 minutes of crying, he comes to me, puts his hand on my head and he just says, spirit of rejection and abandonment come off him. The power of God hit me, I fell to the floor. I kept weeping for another 20 minutes. I knew something had shifted, but it's amazing because it didn't completely fix me because sometimes what deliverance is, is it helps you to see something that you've never been able to see. It allowed me to look back into the 20 years of being a Christian. And, and over my 20 year journey, there were some caves that I visited that I should not have visited. And, the, and I always thought it was the cave that was the problem, but this was the first time I saw, no, no, it was the rejection and the abandonment that was driving me to the cave. And I'd love to say that it was all fixed in that moment, but I went on about a three months journey that was the darkest journey that I've ever been on. I never really suffered depression, but I started to get depressed. I spoke to a counsellor, nothing wrong with that. Get, get an expert to speak into your situation. And, and then what happened was about a month after this happened with him, and this was what really tipped me over the edge. For about four years, we had gone to America in faith and the plan is to get a green card. We'd spent twenty to $30,000 living as immigrants, but the goal was we'll get this green card. We get to the day before we're about to lodge the green card. Our life will change. We'll become permanent in America. And the lawyer finds something the day before about my criminal history where I did something stupid, minor, about 23 years ago. And he says, because it's this category, he says, you can never get a green card. What is that? Think about it. My issue was abandonment and rejection. And that was the whole nation of America saying, we reject you, we don't want you. Then there was a few little issues with leaders and just things being said and probably because of the dark place that I was in, taking them the wrong way. But I kept pressing in, I kept saying, God, I've got this rejection. God, the pressure is revealing it. And I kept meditating on the Word. I kept allowing God to dig deep. I cried tears in worship and just went on a journey that, you know what, I'm coming out of my cave. I'm gonna deal with this stuff. And eventually it got to this crescendo where I was worshipping in my garage and I felt the power of God. I started to weep and God spoke to me almost audibly. And He said, Lucas, see my whole world felt like it had fallen apart. He said, Lucas, I had to allow you to feel abandoned. 
so that I could reveal the abandonment that's always been in your heart. God did something so profound in me over that three months that I wouldn't change for the world. You know, just a month ago, we made the decision within five days to leave America just for a, a season of probably four to six months. Packed up our whole house. It's like we're nomads, lost all of our work. And I'm not saying this as a boast, but I hardly even feel affected by it. And I actually know why I'm not affected by it is because God did something so amazing in me through my last pressure test that it added something to me that has made me so much stronger. Hey, I wanna tell you that God loves you so much. I wanna pray for people right now. You feel like you're in a pressure test. I want you to close your eyes. Father, I thank You for Your Holy Spirit. God, I thank You for the power of God to come upon every person. God, I come against the spirit of rejection and abandonment. God, I speak to fear in the name of Jesus and I tell it to God. Father, I pray that You would heal. God, that what You're bringing up, that You would start to heal, that as You reveal, that You would also start to heal. God, I pray that You would do something so beautiful in this season that every person watching would look back and yes, there were bad things that happened, but we would look back and just like my testimony now, we'd say, you know what? Thank God for what happened, even though it turned everything upside down. Thank God for what God did in me through the pressure test. I wanna tell you, He loves you so much. Maybe you're watching, someone sent you a link and you don't normally come to church. You've never given your life to Jesus. Can I tell you that He's a loving Father that wants to walk with you? He's a loving Father that sent His Son Jesus to die on a cross, to pay the price for your sin so that nothing would ever be able to separate you from the love of God. And if today for the first time, or maybe because you're away from God, you'd like to recommit your life to God or give your life to Jesus, I want you to pray this simple prayer. Why don't you bow your head, close your eyes and repeat after me. Say, Dear Father, thank You for sending Jesus to die for my sin. Today, I turn away from my sin I give you my heart. Help me to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, God bless you guys. Love you guys so much. Hey, and also Church Unlimited, I want you to be expected. Let me tell you, next Sunday, we're gonna go for it at even another level. It's gonna be an incredible Sunday. Send the link to friends. Love you guys. So proud of everything God's doing. In Jesus' name, we'll see you soon. God bless you. Thanks for listening. We hope you've enjoyed this message. We pray that you and your family are richly blessed in the love and grace of Jesus. If you're ever in the area, we'd love to have you join us for Sunday worship.